What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 18 of the Set the Bar podcast. I'm your host, Ben Todd, and on today's show, I sit down with the third member of the Rise Gym Triad. Uh, We've heard from Sean, and we've heard from Matt on previous episodes. Uh, Today's guest is Ricky. Um, Ricky has an amazing story to share. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that we got to sit down and do it. Um, it, it, even for me, it was pretty awe-inspiring and pretty, pretty cool to sit down and and just kind of hear how open he was about his life and his experience. Really happy, really excited, uh, to share it with you guys. I hope you guys find some value in it and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, so with that, let's get into it. What's up guys. Welcome back to set the bar. I'm Ben. I'm your host. This is your first time listening. Welcome to the show. Um, this is Set the Bar. This is a personal development, fitness mindset-focused podcast. Um, sometimes I'll do some solo sessions where I'll be here kind of talking about something that's on my mind, something that I think is value and, valuable and important. Um, other times I will be with a guest and um, somebody who find who I find interesting, somebody who I find, you know, who can provide some value, um, who has done some some cool things in life. So that's kind of the format of the show. Um, so welcome. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. So today is one of those interviews. Um, I'm sitting down with a with a really good friend of mine. Um, met him three years ago um, when Rise Gym opened. Um, I know he is now the third member of the Rise Gym Rise Gym Triad that I've had here on the show. We've had Sean. We've had Matt. Uh, and now we get the third member of the Rise Gym crew. We're, uh, pretty excited. To talk to him, um, he's had he's had some cool experiences in life, done some cool things that we'll get into here in a minute, um, and I'm pretty excited for this, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, my guest today is a former Division One men's soccer player at Houston Baptist University. Following his collegiate career, he went on to play at the semi-pro level uh, for a team out in Denmark, which was probably pretty cool. He has since obtained an MBA and is now the operations manager and partner at Rise Gym. Please welcome my guest, Ricky Mupier. What's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Ben? How's it going, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good, bro. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. Hey, man. I'm glad to be here. You found me in the right spot, so I'm here. <laughs> Ricky's been a Ricky's been a fan of the show for a while. I know that uh, you know he's been supporting me on this on this podcast journey since I started. So it uh, it's it's a privilege to finally get him on and uh, sit down and talk. Ricky's Ricky's done some cool things in life. Um, and, uh, you know, right now he's running a pretty, pretty good operation over, over here at the gym. So it's a pleasure to sit down with you, man. Yeah, man. It's good to see you, man. We've, you know, we've been talking about business stuff since I met you, the, our relationship has really like grown over the years. And so it's been nice to finally sit down and like really have like our sit down talking for everybody. Right. Ricky is uh Ricky's one of those guys where I'll, I'll come to if I'm like working out or something and, you know, I'll, I'll dab him up or whatever. And I'll be like, man, like. I got this business question. I've got this life question. I've got like this thing going on that I need advice on. Um, and so Ricky's like kind of that guy where he's, where he's always trying to, you know, impart wisdom and um, kind of help out where he can. So I've always appreciated that. I try to be a wise guy sometimes. <laughs> Ask my wife that, but I try to be, a, I try to be a wise guy for most of the time. So <laughs> well, that's, that's good. I think Chelsea would probably agree with that. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully she does. <laughs> All right, man. So let's jump into it. So, so let's start out by talking about your soccer career, right? So uh, you played competitive soccer um, at a pretty high level. Um, let's start out with that. What kind of got you into soccer? Like, was that something that you know your your parents played, or something that your siblings played, or how, kind of how'd you get into it? Yeah, so my dad was a big soccer lover. He played growing up, um, and my I have an older brother. I'm the youngest of four. Um, my brother who's next to me in line. 
he played soccer his whole life. And so just naturally, I wanted to be like him. So, you know, he played at a very high level. He went pro, D1, top player in the country. Um, and so basically, I was like, you know, I want to do all that. So basically, I just trained hard and worked hard, sacrificed everything in my life just to kind of get to that point. What was that process like for you? I mean, I'm sure like, I mean, with any competitive sport, right? I mean, any competitive athlete when you're a kid, that, that is your life. Like, it just becomes your identity. So is that kind of how it was for you? Man, it was just so mental. I think my brother and my dad did a very good job at a young age getting me the mental part of the game that you don't even think about physical stuff. Of course, physical stuff's there. You got to be fast, got to be fit, got to be able to skillful and that kind of stuff. But the mental part of the game is just is one of the key things to being successful in the game. So I think that kind of just goes for life in general, where, you know, in order to really do anything of any great value, you have to be able to be mentally fit, mentally strong, and just kind of endure, you know, I'm sure there was parts of it that sucked. You know, there was probably late nights and early mornings and a lot of things you had to sacrifice, going out with your friends, you know, doing test. Yeah, do it, all that stuff. So it's, it was probably more of a mental grind than, than anything else. No, absolutely, man. I mean, uh, even from high school, I played on one of the best teams here in Houston. And so, you know, always everybody's, you know, trying to get to the next level. So it's always a competition. Uh, I learned at a very young age about being very competitive that, you know, my dad always taught me, um, if you don't want to do it, next man up will do it, right? And mm-hmm. so you're always constantly thinking, you know, behind your shoulder, if I don't train today, someone else is training. Someone else is getting better than me. And that kind of translates to everything else in life as we can say so exactly yeah and and i can i can really relate to that just with i mean you know with the with the fitness and bodybuilding mentality it's always that you know you know if you're not training somebody else is training you know if you're not waking up early somebody else is waking up early so it probably translates and correlates very well so so you you know you had a pretty successful youth soccer career um and you were awarded a scholarship to hbu what was what was that like how did how did the recruiting process go like walk me through that so funny thing. So I, well, not funny thing. <laughs> I had a bad injury uh, when I was 17, my senior year. Um, I was actually recruited to St. John's at the time mm-hmm. in New York. It was the top 10 school in the country. Um, uh, I was about about three weeks from signing and boom, leg break. So then I had a couple of offers from schools. So I had to go and tell those coaches like, hey, like, you know, my leg break is pretty bad. And I actually didn't know the extent of my injury. Um, I'm Sean will know for sure, but... Um, but most people, unless you have a medical degree, you don't know what that happened know. to me. Right. Right. And so it was one of those injuries where like, I couldn't even explain to myself. Like, I didn't even comprehend, um, the type of injury I had. And so just explaining to those coaches that like, I don't think I'm playing anymore. Well, and you were just a kid too. I mean, you were what? 17, 18, something like that. Yeah. I was 17, just about two months for my 18th birthday. So what, okay, so, so let's, let's, back, let's back up then for a second. So you have this, this devastating injury, right? What was what was your mentality like at the time? What was your mindset like? What was your what was your mental state like? Were, were, did you think that your soccer career was over? To be honest, I grew up in a very like religious religious family, and so for me, I try to do things the right way. I, I you know I've never smoked a day in my life. Um, I didn't drink until I was twenty one. Not to say that I'm better than anybody else, but for me, that was like the discipline I needed to be to be great. And so, <clears throat> and so being able to being being in that position and not knowing how I felt about the injury, I just couldn't understand like why God would choose me mm-hmm. to deal with this. Sure. Cause there's other people doing way worse stuff than I ever did. Right. And so it's like, why me? Right. And so that was really the, and I feel like that's a pretty natural reaction, you know, to something like catastrophic like that or something, you know, that, that kind of takes you off your planned course. You know, I think it's pretty natural to, 
to, to kind of have those feelings of, you know, self-pity and, well, why me? You know, I'm doing all these things the right way. You know, all these other people are doing things the wrong way. Like, why couldn't it have been one of them? You know, so um, I, I totally understand that. So what was the what was the rehab process like? Ooh, so, man, we went from not knowing if I'm going to walk again to, you know, my pro- um, amputation, potentially. Um, I mean, it was very thin margins. You know, you just got to thank God and a praying family, supportive family, really through those signs because I, it, there's just, I just should have never played again, man. Like I really should not have played again. It's just amazing. So, uh, the rehab was, rehab was brutal. Um, two years away from the game, seeing all your friends go to college. Um, you know, it's funny in high school, I make a joke about, you know, friends that were like, Oh, you're gonna go to community college. <laughs> I was in community college for two and a half years. Cause like I, I was in therapy every day, five days a week. So it was just, one of those humbling experiences, but man, like the, the lessons learned from that, it's just, it just can't even put into words. And I'm sure that, that, that first day that you went out on the field after that, after that whole ordeal and, and you were, you know, finally cleared to play again. And, um, what was that like? I bet that was, that was pretty surreal for you. So my brother went to UNC Charlotte mm-hmm. and they were recruiting me before I got hurt, but I didn't want to go to UNC Charlotte cause I didn't want to be in his footsteps. Actually, right. I went to our rival high school because I didn't want to be in the same shadow as my brother. So I went to UNC Charlotte. Um, ironically, the, the coach that brought me in, they just went to the Final Four championship. Oh, and really? And he left to go to Stanford. The, they, the semester I was coming in, he left to go to Stanford, and then he won three national championships in a row. So when I got wow. to UNC, um, it was a new coaching staff. And Were they like in a rebuilding kind of situation? They weren't situation? in a rebuilding situation, but he already had his guys. Okay. So you'll learn in sports that a lot of the time these coaches – when a new guy comes in, they have their guys already or their recruits. Right. And so it was kind of a rough patch. They didn't really play much, didn't train much. And I was still kind of rehabbing. And the coach before knew that, but the assistant coach wasn't really about that, I guess, project. Mm-hmm. And so that was a rough thing. And so the funny thing is I had an opportunity to come back to home to Houston. And so when I came back to Houston, one of my buddies was playing at HBU, which is a decent program um, considering it's only D1 school in Houston. And one mm-hmm. of the, one of the only three of Texas. And uh, he said, hey, man, my coach is here watching us play summer league game. Can you come play? Ben, I had surgery probably a month ago for like a scar tissue removal, my 12th surgery. Holy and shit. he's like, hey, like he's going to be here. I don't know. What this, else is your, this is your one and only opportunity, one man. You better, you better do it. So I took two hydrocodons. <laughs> I wrapped my ankle up, wrapped my leg up, and I went there and played. Scored two goals in a game versus one of my other teammates. We both got signed that day, and then I got a scholarship from it. It's literally insane. That's so wild, dude. Like, to to go from... what? How old were you at this time? Like, how many years had passed since the injury? Uh, probably two years. Okay. Yeah. So to go from being... Almost eighteen, not knowing if you were going to walk, not not knowing if you were going to have to have your half your leg chopped off, to scoring two goals in front of a D one coach and getting signed to play on his roster. Like, what a trip! <laughs> I do, you know, it's funny thing because when a coach met me, you know, my leg looks deformed, mm-hmm. and so when you I still would, have a giant ass scar on there too. Yeah, I do. And so what I do, what I did is it was hot. I mean, summer it's in, in Houston. Houston. Yeah, it's already hot right now. I wore pants, long pants, so the coach didn't see my scars. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want anybody to judge me right. off my injury or be like, or give me a pat on the back because, oh, you're okay. I want people to right. judge me for what I am now because, I mean, it is what it is. Right. And it took time to get to that point mentally. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just one of the, one of, it was just a, the situation I was in. And so, yeah, man, it was, 
it was just a trip. And then once I like, you know, after I saw my name on the paper, I was like, well, coach, just to be honest, I had a bad injury and kind of showed him these scars. Did, and he's like, how did he take it? Uh, they took a while. They're like, I mean, I saw you play now. I had no idea. So I don't see what the problem is. Um, so, and I kind of just went from there. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. That's so how long did you play them uh, for them? So I played HB three seasons at HBU. Okay. Okay. And then, um, how did the, how did the semi pro stint come about? What, what happened with that? So again, like my brother played in Denmark for, well, he played in MLS for a couple of years. Oh, for real? Yeah. Okay. And then he went over to Denmark and he played over there. And so a lot of times his agents were checking in on me cause he knew he had a younger brother and mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was promising doing well. Sure. Um, even with the injury. Yeah, man, it's funny because I may have not be, I may have lost athleticism, but I became a better player mentally. A lot of the fancy tricks and all the other stuff that you know we want to do, that's not what's getting you signed. That's not what's getting you scholarships. People want you to score goals and be efficient. Well, the mental strength that you developed to go through those two years of hell that probably helped you quite a bit. Yes, and then and then helping my brother and my my dad and my family being so supportive, um, I knew that. Even if I'm not the fancy player, the fastest player anymore, or the fittest one, that if I can just be effective and be good at these certain things that they require for my position, I'll be fine. And so some people think, like, how the heck would he have a chance to go pro if he wasn't had outstanding numbers in college? I'm like, it's not about that. And that's what people don't understand is even in the professional world, you can have all the degrees and papers and stuff. But if you're not a good people person or you can't do your job efficiently they're going to get somebody else right so that's what it comes down to so that yeah so my brother called me over uh i spent a couple summers with him and i got to train with some of the teams at that time he was retired so i got to play with some of the teams he coached with and some of his friends and so that kind of like a backdoor way in Mm -hmm. but i still again was like you know i don't want to be like oh you're you're so-and-so's brother, so we're doing this. It's, right. I want people to respect me for who I am. Exactly. And the skills and the and the talent that you can bring to these different organizations. Exactly. Yourself. Yeah. So, okay, so you spent some time in Denmark, and then you just got signed? Or how did that work? No, so basically what happens is is you you we were on a, 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 a travel team full of Americans. Mm-hmm. And so what we did is we played different uh, actual pro teams, full professional teams, and in midst of getting signed. And there's some, a lot of teams were like, oh, they're good, but we want them to stay longer or to come back. And so it's a little like a, it's like a, it's like a bad relationship. Okay. You keep yeah. trying to date and date and find, mm-hmm. we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And then before time, you know, it's six months, eight yeah. months, a year. And you're still, and you're not still, not still in the same place. And at that point, I am 25 going on 26. So I'm like, you know, very few people can play and have to work again. Mm-hmm. eventually you gotta jump that bridge right and so for me i was like i'm just jump the bridge so you kind of just came to this crossroads where you were like you know it's it's been fun it's been a great run but uh you know it's time to kind of move on and and do some other things yeah into a sense you know i scored i don't know how many goals maybe five goals or six goals in college right and so for me i i, I felt like the doubters i've kind of pleased them but i still haven't quite satisfied myself and so just getting to that level and, you know, getting like some type of recognition was kind of good enough for me. I guess like an ego. Mm-hmm. Satisfied back. your Satis- ego. Yeah, exactly. And so at that point, I'm like, man, I- there's just more to life to this. And so something just, you know, it's just funny because the day I decided to go home or sorry, the week I actually come home is when I met my, met my wife, my now That's wife. That's crazy. I didn't know that. And I was... Literally a text message from saying, "Hey, I'm not coming. I'm I'm staying." And telling my parents, "Hey, I'm staying in Denmark." It's it, it sounds like just from just from what you've talked about so far, it sounds like there's been a lot of 
I don't want to say like divine intervention, but it's just like things that just kind of lined up in an interesting way for you from the injury to the rehab to going to school to getting the semi-pro stint and, you know, now coming home and meeting Chelsea. Like it all just kind of, it all just kind of really worked out very interestingly for you, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's literally, you can't write a script for this. Like, um, and even when I started dating Chelsea, there was another opportunity for my brothers. Like, hey, you want to come back during the break? Because I was at that, at that point, I enrolled myself into community college, mm-hmm. so I can at least start getting some credits. Sure. Um, and at that point, uh, my brother's like, hey, do you do you want to come back? And then you know, I talked to Chelsea. I was like, you know, I, I you know I really like this girl. So mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you feel about me going back? And she was fully supportive about it. But something in me was just like, man, I think I'm good here. I'll just build whatever I'm trying to do. So mm-hmm. I just stayed. That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool that that was uh, you know that kind of worked out in in that way, and, and I'm sure that was a hell of a journey <laughs> to travel on, you know, just from from everything that you went through and endured, and the setbacks, and then you know finally making it back to the circuit, and um, I'm sure that was quite the experience. Yeah, man, just that whole European lifestyle and being on your own—it's a whole different culture. Like you can't mm-hmm. just get in your your truck and go wherever. Like it's things close at four o'clock in the afternoon. The weekend's virtually a dead place. Um, and just, I mean, it's just wild. Was, was that your first time out of the country? No, I went out of the country in 2000. So when I got here in 2010, uh, summer of 2011, I went to go visit my brother in Denmark. Okay. Cause I was just mentally fried. Like mm-hmm. with the injury, I was just like, you needed a break deep depression, man. Like that I needed a break. And so I went over there and got to see family that I had in Europe and in France and, and, uh, England. So it was a great experience. That's cool. It, you know, living out of the country is, is, you know, I lived in South Korea for a year when I was in the Air Force. And it's just, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just a different, it, it's a different thing. You know, you, in the United States, is, the United States is great, but, you know, a lot of other countries do things a lot differently than we do here. And it's just the customs and the traditions and it's the insane, way of life. It's like it's, a different world. Yeah, I mean, literally, it, it's a different world, but right. it's just really good to experience something different from somewhere else. So. so I'm sure living, you know, overseas in Denmark for a little while was, was just by itself was, was a cool life experience to have. Oh yeah, man! Just like your necessities, you think here, like, hey, I'm just gonna go to Chick Fil A and get some. Like, they don't have that. They have McDonald's, which is actually very healthy, because um, their standards of cooking is a little higher than right. than here. So, uh, just I mean, there's just so many just cultural things that you don't get. Luckily, Denmark is a language, is a country where this everybody speaks English mm-hmm. who works, so you can get away from that. But like, man, there's countries where like when I was in France, like, not a lick of English. So. Luckily, my family speaks French, so I'm able to pick it up and speak to people. But sure. yeah, so. that's cool, man. That's that's really neat. I appreciate you sharing all that. So, okay, so you know, we're kind of past your career now. You're you're back in Houston. You're with Chelsea. Um, you guys are dating. You're in community college. So now, what's the next step for you? How what what's next? So because of you know the way my my experience with my physical therapist that I had it was it was like a bond, like an older sister. Um, I wanted to pursue a career in physical therapy, and so. I went back to the, I actually worked as a PT tech at the clinic where I did most of my rehab, mm-hmm. but she wasn't there anymore. She had gone to um, Memorial Hermann, okay. Ironman. So I worked there for about a year and then she's like, Hey, why don't you come over to Memorial Hermann? And I was like, say less. So <laughs> right. I came over and actually just, that's where I, actually where I met Sean. And so it's funny. We all talk about Sean cause you know, he's part of the gym is um, my first experience with Sean is he saw my leg and this dude told me every single thing about the injury I just had. And I was like, this dude is This dude's smart. <laughs> this dude is a straight-up nerd. <laughs> but like he was Sean. cool. But he was cool, though. Yeah. So I was like, ah, oh, whatever. And so at that point, I was just kind of like, 
shadowing a job, mm-hmm. I wasn't like a, an employee yet. And so I had an interview, formal interview, and then ended up signing, or sorry, um, getting hired. And then I kind of worked there for two and a half years as a, as a tech and like got to work with plenty of athletes and mm-hmm. uh, professional, um, injured, and stuff like that. So what were your what was your role like there? Like kind of what were your responsibilities? What, what, what was your day-to-day look like? So basically I was in school getting my prereqs mm-hmm. while I was um, working. Okay. And like uh, just... So it's kind of like on the job type stuff? Exactly. Okay. Learning different injuries. I learned so much about different injuries, about the profession and dealing with people and sitting on the other side of the bench, right? I was a patient for so long, so now I can, I can sympathize with patients and like they come in like don't want to do anything it's funny because mm-hmm. my physical therapist you know we're, we're close now but the first like two weeks i didn't say a word to her i was so devastated and yeah, so like down that yeah. i didn't say a word to her and then one day my mom's like you're gonna talk to this lady <laughs> <laughs> and so i was like all right and so we just and just seeing from her and sean how they all like you know you make a difference in someone's life and that was really fulfilling Especially because I feel like it, it was a unique circumstance for you because you could empathize so much with the person on the other side that, you know, when you have some kind of devastating injury. Now, of course, you know, PT, you had a wide scope of you know, sure. injuries. You had probably less severe injuries, really severe injuries. But anything that kind of hampers somebody's way of life or, you know, things that they might want to pursue, that weighs heavily mentally on them. And so I'm sure you were able to kind of empathize with them more than just like the average person. It's funny you say that, man, because I saw a lot of ACL injuries and stuff like that. Not not to do that, not to um, lessen it, but mm-hmm. I just feel like it. You, there's so many success stories of of ACL injuries that you can Google someone, Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. He tore his ACL, got back in four months, was an MVP candidate. I think he won MVP that year. Yeah, he won MVP, right? Mm-hmm. I had never seen anybody with, with an injury like mine until one day, one of the physical therapists who worked with the, the physical therapist, her name is Morgan, um, at the clinic. She's, she messaged me on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, I have a kid who has an injury almost identical to yours. And he's coming from, actually, the area where Sean's from, Victoria, Texas. Mm-hmm. And he's just he just won't do anything. He's just so devastated. Was and, he about the same age as you were? Yeah, he was in high school. Okay. He, was about, he was a little younger. He was, about, he was a junior in high school. Okay. They were driving an hour and a half to see Morgan and to see me. That's wild. And he had the exact same injury. And I, Ben, when I tell you that getting a scholarship... Was great. I thank God for that. Uh, getting a chance to go overseas, it was it was great. Beautiful, thank God. Scoring goals was great at a high level after this injury was was beautiful. Right, I'm very thankful for that. Meeting this kid was my why. All those years of playing HBU, uh, going to Charlotte, going to Denmark, nothing fulfilled me more than being able to relate to this kid because he didn't have anybody else to be like, oh, he has this interior compartment syndrome broken leg uh can't have feeling in his foot like it's, it's just insane and to be able to connect with him like i would never you know i get asked all the time if, if you could change your injury your story would you ever change it and i can say with without a lie in my face i would not change it because that experience was just it was amazing man that was one of the most beautiful things i've heard in a really long time that was that's fantastic that's that's so cool um and I'm, I'm almost I'm almost at a loss for words, honestly. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty cool that you had. You don't know what what impact you had on that kid. You know, um, I'm sure that seeing you and talking to you and hearing your experience with what happened and how you you know rebounded from it and what you made of yourself from it, I'm sure that gave him a lot of hope and inspiration. And you didn't have that when you were going through that. I didn't have that, but I did have a great support system. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a wonderful family uh, even my friends who 
who I grew up with, um, my best friends, they, even though we're still playing, they would still be supportive. They would come with me to therapy. They'd sit with me. They'd take me. They'd drive me. Uh, most of those guys were on my wedding. Like, right? Those are, that's a brotherhood. You just can't, right. you just can't take away from that experience. And so, um, when I met, uh, his name is Jace, uh, he, he didn't have anything to look up to. And he was a baseball player. And so, I kind of got him back in the mental, the competitive mindset. Mm-hmm. And last I talked to him, he was playing college collegiate baseball. That's awesome. It went from a kid who was driving an hour here who didn't want to do have anything to do with physical therapy because he thought it was over to now playing collegiate baseball. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. So yeah, man, that was very fulfilling for me. That's so great. I'm I'm really glad you shared that. I'm I'm really glad you shared that. I, I hope that you know somebody out there, you know, and not not even necessarily somebody who's injured, but just somebody who's going through some kind of rough patch or a hard time. Um, I hope that gives them some hope and inspiration that you know there's there's always more, you know, there's always something more out there. There's always hope, you know, don't, everything don't ever give up. happens for a reason. I know it sucks to say everything happens for a reason and God's plan is the best plan, man. So you got to roll with it. That's beautiful. I really appreciate you sharing that. Okay. So, so you, now you're in this PT tech position, right? And, um, what, what was the kind of pivoting moment for you? Something happened, right? I remember talking to Sean, something happened about, I think it was his like COVID timeframe or something like that. Something happened with your PT program. Yes. What happened with that? And, and how did you transition into something different? So I applied to PT school one time and not to make any excuses, but my grades at Charlotte weren't the best. I was really in a, in a bad place. And so HBU, I was a 3.5 GPA kind of guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so just to, it's they look at everything, the scope of work. And so mm-hmm. I didn't get into PT school the first um, first try. And after that, you know, I kind of being in that, in that um, environment, I didn't see myself being in a clinic 40 hours a week because I saw the wear and tear mm-hmm. of a more and put on the therapist. Right. Uh, I mean, this dude, Sean's insane. People think this is bad. I mean, this is nothing <laughs> compared to what he was doing. Uh, three hour, three patients an hour on the hour revolving door five days a week. It's just insane. And so when I saw people doing that, I was like, I don't know if this is the path for me. I, that's when I decided to say, well, I want to be in healthcare in some capacity. So why not have a bigger impact by being administrative? So that's why mm-hmm. I pursued my, my MBA. And I was doing that during the time of COVID. So I started my MBA program in um, August of 2019. Okay. So six months or so before everything happened with COVID. Yes. Okay. And it was an accelerated program, and uh, yeah, so it's just crazy, man. So COVID hits, yes. right? So no more going to class. No. So everything's online. Yes. How was that? Well, my program was online anyways. Oh, it was? Okay. But the thing with MBA programs, and, I, and we talk about this all the time, right? People ask me, oh, should I go get my MBA? <clears throat> I'm like, MBAs are really for the, uh, um, the word I'm looking for. They're looking for uh, connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Everything I learned in school, you can really learn on, on YouTube. I mean, YouTube, you can learn anything. Right. Literally anything. Um, and so for me, it was like, I didn't get those connections. Um, luckily, through my mom, because she was a nurse, um, she had a boss who, who in a nursing home, she had, she has a, a boss who's like a vice president. He's a really cool guy. I sat mm-hmm. down with him. He kind of showed like, hey, hey, I didn't get into PT school either. But now he's the vice president of one of the biggest um, nursing home communities in America. And so just talking to him... 
he just kind of said that, like, hey, just keep working hard. Really, what it comes down to is getting a chance. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest part. That's the biggest problem with new grads, even with athletes, man, is just which coach can give you a chance, which right. employers can give you a chance. And so that's kind of how we got started. I, so I, that was the time during COVID where that really struggled because then everyone's after, sorry, everyone's um, internship programs mm-hmm. were canceled. Right. And so when I was going to graduate for six months from, from March until graduating in May, probably a hundred different applications. Nothing. Nothing because everybody was canceled. Hiring freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Memorial Herman, they did a, a furlough. So where they were, they cut the salary people's um, the salary people's salary, mm-hmm. and uh, the hourly people they was like on a needed need basis. And so I was in school and I was taking two classes per eight weeks. So it was an accelerated program. Mm-hmm. That's so fast taking, too yeah, because I was fast. back in January at ASU. I was doing one class in eight weeks and I was working, and that was a lot. So you think about it, it's a lot of classes in, uh-huh. in, a, in an eight weeks span, and it's yep. quick. It's fast. It's fast, quick. You can't get behind because nope. you're gonna have a problem. The, there's a weekend between the, the first term and the second term, and you're back in it again. And so once I, so in March when COVID hit, I was like, "Oh crap, this is going to be even worse." And so I'm I'm applying every day. Chelsea's helping me do. She's 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 even writing some of the the messaging board because I'm like I, I cannot write any more of these right these, these uh you know the, the filters they do for yep. jobs yep. in these internships. So they, it's just I was so defeated, and yeah, so that's just crazy, man. So you you go through this defeating mindset of shit now what am I going to do right Yes and um our friend Sean has this grand idea to open a gy- open a gym <laughs> in the middle of covid and uh he wants you to come work for him how how did that go So Sean had left the clinic I was at probably I don't know if it was January or maybe like a beginning of the end of the last end of 2019. Mm-hmm. And so I would talk to him here and there. He'd pop in because he was, he was a mentor for some of the other therapists. Um, so I didn't, didn't see him as much, but we always had a great relationship. Right. And so when he, he kind of called me around May, he, he kind of called me and he's like, Hey man, like, you know what you're going to do with, with school and stuff like that. He knows another program. I was like, honestly, man, I have no idea. I'm going to graduate a virtual graduation in two weeks and I have no plan. I know is I'm not going to be working here anymore. So I need to figure out like what I need to do He's like, well, I might have opportunity with you. Like, I mean, this is super casual, <laughs> like, super casual. Sounds like Sean. Yeah. Super casual. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, I guess I'll take it up. And then a week later he calls me. I remember I'm laying on my bed. I remember this phone call. No, I'm laying on my bed. Watching local news because I mean every day the news is changing it's just right. craziness. Yeah. COVID numbers are ten thousand. It's yeah. just it's literally insane. Right. Um, he calls me. He's like, "Hey man, I think." Well, actually, at this point, gyms had just opened. Okay. Yeah. In Texas, because I know Texas. Texas was one of the first states yes. that allowed gyms to reopen with you know doing masks and doing social distancing and all that crap. Exactly. So t- gyms had just opened, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start a gym. Me and Amy have the opportunity to start a gym." Um, obviously I'm working full time. Their daughter, Sammy had just been born. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm pretty sure in February. She was just born. Yep. Um, and he's like, I need you. Like if, if, if you're not gonna be available, I don't think I, we can do this. Cause I'm just, and they were living in the city at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was living near the gym at my parents' house. And I was like, sure, man. <laughs> and so before that was like on a Friday, 
by that Monday, I was in San Antonio looking at equipment. That's how we got started. That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. So, ooh, man, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot. So when I tell you, it's just <laughs> divine. Like you said, man, it's divine intervention. It's divine intervention man. for sure. Like there's there's no way around it. Just with with how everything so far in your in your life story has lined up. Uh, that's that's pretty neat, man. So, all right. So so now, Sean, if you guys have uh, if you guys have gone back and listened to the episode I have with Sean, I would highly suggest doing that. Um, he kind of chronicles how the gym opened and how we got started and what the idea was and everything like that. Um, episode 14, I believe. Um, anyway, so now, okay. So now the gym's open, right? You're the operations manager. You guys have, how many square feet is this building? Uh, this, this building is 11,000 square feet, about 9,000 square feet of gym space actual. Okay. So you have 9,000 space, like usable 9,000 square feet of usable space. Which by the way, you guys can all see. Yes. Yes. If you guys are, if you guys are watching on Instagram, um, any, any clips on Instagram, you, uh, we have the gym in the backdrop. Um, I'm also going to throw this up on YouTube too, as well. So you guys can check out the, the backdrop at the gym, but it's very full. It's Monday afternoon at five thirty, six o'clock in the afternoon. So it's, it's a far cry from the, uh, how many pieces of equipment did you guys start with? Like four, you had like four pieces of equipment. You had like what, like four sets of dumbbells, five sets of dumbbells, like up to 40 pounds or something like that. Like it was not a lot. So man, when we opened, there wasn't a single piece of equipment here. Nothing, zero. The lights were off. AC was off. We opened our first doors for people to work out with not even dumbbells, no bars, um, cardio machines were hooked up. It was, I was back and forth to San Antonio. It was literally insane. So you go from... Let's just let's just put this in perspective. The gym opened what a little over three years ago, right? Yes. Okay. So you go from zero members, zero pieces of equipment, not knowing what you were going to do. It's the middle of COVID. Like gyms had just opened. People are in masks. Like everything's you know crazy. You didn't know if gyms were going to get shut down again. No. Every day it was like, oh, it's going to be this week. Sean right. is giving us updates. Like, hell, the hospitals doing this, which means mm-hmm. it's, the hospitals doing it. That means everyone's going to do it quickly. Right. So you go from all of that, and now three years later, we'll, we'll get into the specifics of the gym here in a minute, but three years later, you've got what, 2,000 members, just under 2,000 members? We're in a ballpark range between 1,800 and 2,200 members. Okay. And the gym is thriving. Um, I think you had told me a few weeks back or about a month back that, that the guy that sells your equipment now has kind of pegged this as one of the top three gyms in the whole city of Houston. Yeah, man, it was a uh, was a good, nice nice little honor we got there. Which is pretty badass because if you guys know anything about the Houston fitness community, there's a lot of gyms out here. Like there's, there's a, a lot of ton gyms out here. of gyms out here, and uh, for Rise to be in the conversation of the top three in the city, that's that's a pretty high accolade. So that's good on you guys for doing that. Yeah, man, it's been a, been a lot of hard work just uh, being able to see how it's grown. It's just amazing. And sometimes I just sit up here, I'm just like in, in awe. Like me and Sean, I'm just like. Do you ever think we're going to get here? He's like, I had no idea. He was, we were working, at that time, we had no employees. We're both working 12-hour days, seven days a week. He has a kid. He lives far. I guess this is insane. <laughs> Everything against us right. was against us. So, exactly. And, and and it seems like that's kind of been the theme of your life in, in some ways, that, you know, the odds were always stacked against you in some capacity, and and you've somehow got managed to overcome them and, and, and do it, you know, which is, that's pretty, pretty admirable and pretty inspiring. 
Um, so you guys opened the gym, the Rise Gym, three years ago. You guys opened Rise Barbell, which is your annex to the gym yes. two years ago. Um, Rise Barbell has taken off. It has. It has taken off. Bodybuilders, power lifters, even just the average gym goer is is now you know participating in in the membership of Rise Barbell, and uh, you guys are about to expand that now into a into a brand new facility, three times the space, right? Yeah, man, it's, it's insane. So okay, so so you're at the helm, right? So Sean's the owner, you know, but you're running the operations, right? So you're you're doing all the day to day stuff. Um, especially when Sean was still working for the hospital system and he was really not here often. Yeah. Um, talk to me about what that's been like for you, just to see the progression and the growth of of this community, of this you know, of this business, and the membership that you now have, the day passes that you guys get from people from all over the place. Like, what has that been like for you, just to kind of be part of for these last three years? So really, all the experiences I've I've had on the sports field has made it an easy transition here, because you know you're on a team with different players and different people from all kinds of backgrounds. So I'm I'm able to mingle amongst everybody. Um, and Memorial Herman, you know, there's, you can't deny a patient, so they can come in and be any race, any color, any origin, any religion. You you have to be able to take to. to take care of them right mm-hmm. and so you get accustomed to just dealing with people i think that's the number one attribute that i really got from those prior experiences that really helped pave the way here because you know all this i learning business yeah it helps but you can know all these numbers and finance and accounting but if you can't deal with people in this kind of environment in this kind of business you're not gonna survive especially in a gym like this is one of the most people facing customer facing environments there is every day man uh-huh and so um i think sean kind of embodies that as well because he I mean, all his patients love him. They follow him wherever the heck he goes. He goes to New Mexico, they're going to follow him, right? And so it's like <laughs> right. we both have that kind of like, you know, if we do right by people, people will do right by us. And so that's kind of really how it's been able to keep our retention rate isn't crazy. Most gyms' retention rate is probably 70%, 80%. I mean, we've not had less than 90% in a month of retention. So that's crazy. People don't cancel here. That's awesome. And that speaks volumes to the facility that you guys have. I mean, you guys take care of it. Um, you know, I mean, from, from you on down to the trainers on down to your, you know, front desk staff, you guys really care about this place and really take care of it. And and I think that reflects in not only just the way the gym's present uh, presented, but just your, your membership numbers as well. Yeah, man. I mean, it's funny. You talked about barbells. When we first had the opportunity to open a barbell, um, I was against it. I obviously growing from a, a sports background, I wanted more of a, like a sports performance type mm-hmm. thing, which would have required more on hands work because I wasn't really f- familiarized with bodybuilding. Like I, sure. I lifted because of soccer, but I never like wasn't a at g- gym goer. Right. Like you wouldn't find me after high school at the gym or anything <laughs> right. like that. Like if I wasn't in season or training, I'm at the gym. Right. So it's funny how I've, I've transitioned into this role where like I really see people like really in their element. And once we opened Barbara, I was like, okay. People really love this gym stuff, right? And and I'm in Barbell more than anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of funny thing. So I, I admit my fault. We joke around about it sometimes, but you know, it's just, it's a. I'm glad we did it. Well, and I think that it's it's really brought such a diversity to the to the overall gym itself. Absolutely. You know, there's, um, you know, if you guys know anything about like specialized kind of fitness like entities. 
um, these specialty gyms that, that focus on just bodybuilding or just powerlifting or just, you know, whatever it might be, sports performance, it, it attracts a certain kind of individual or a certain kind of person who is passionate about that kind of um, training. And I think what, what they've done at, at Barbell, just in my opinion, is, is you guys have brought together so many different, um, you know, physical performance type athletes and, and, and kind of brought them all to one place. And, and now it's, it's just thriving. I mean, you guys are coming up on your two-year anniversary celebration, what, this weekend? or next? Yeah, this yeah. weekend for Barbell yeah. and three years for the main gym. Yeah. So it, just in two years, the amount of growth that you guys have had in Barbell and, and I think the amount of um, popularity that it's brought to your gym environment um, has been really cool. Yeah, and, and just the additions of, like, of Matt, who's helped so mm-hmm. much with some of the, like, because I think Sean grew up in a gym setting, but, like, we don't know, like, this equipment from that equipment. I just, right. hey, this is a dumbbell. We lifted it, do that. <laughs> like, the machine names and the lighting. Like, these are things, like, I I, I don't know, right? right. And so he, he he gave some great insight, and he's huge success to that, um, huge success to that um, part of the business. So, you know, we're thankful for Matt. Shout out to Matt Curry. Um, so, yeah, man, it's just, Barbell's been thriving. And, you know, people always say, like, the younger people, they love Barbell, right? But mm-hmm. the main gym is, is where... Is where the bread and butter is at, right? Absolutely. Your average gym goers. Yep. Without for sure. without this, there's there's no that. Exactly. It's hard to do that only. Yeah. Um, it, it is because it's very niche. Yes. It's very niche. I think having the ability to have both and having the option for you know any <clears throat> prospective member to choose one over the other, um, I think that that provides a lot more. It's a lot more um, stable than it would be for just one specific niche kind of market. And that's why I feel like we always have an advantage versus our competitors is that what gym out there offers, you know, this, you know, family oriented feel, but then you can, you know, people cancel like, oh, I want to change gyms, different atmosphere. Okay, well, a little extra, go to walk five steps and there you right. are, there's a new feel, old atmosphere, right. different equipment, different lighting. And so it's, it's, I love about the, the, the diversity of the gym. I, I really love it. And that's one of my favorite parts of the gym. That's awesome, man. So I want to wrap up with, um, a little kudos to you. Um, I think this was probably a couple months ago this happened, but um, Sean gave you a, uh, a percent ownership in the business. What was what was that like for you? I mean, I know you've been working your ass off for the last three years, and I think Sean probably recognized that that was the case. Um, and I know that you've had you've covered for him on a lot of occasions, um, and so for him to to trust you enough um, to give you part ownership, what was that like for you? Man, let me just touch on Sean for a little bit, man. Like, not even to, to like giddy on him, but like, I mean, really, he's a you know, you meet people, you come across people in your life, you're like, oh, what does this guy want from me, or what is this? That, but like, when I met him, from the day I met him till today, a hundred percent solid. Like, I had nothing to offer him. Most times, I I find myself in a situation where people are doing something because they need something for me, mm-hmm. or I I know this person so I can get that for them, blah right. blah blah. But like, I had nothing to offer this guy. So, like, for him to always look out for me, I mean, he wrote me letters of, letters of recommendation. He allowed me to come to his um, his graduate student's class to speak to his students about my injury process. Like, he's always looked out for me, and I just didn't really get it. Uh, I mean, I worked hard, and you know, I'm, a, I'm a loyal person, right? So, if someone puts faith in me, I want to do whatever I can to make sure that I live up to that expectation. Because, you know, loyalty and trust is something that you don't just give away to anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, he's been... Like, I just wish there was something I could say, like, he wavered away. He's always looked out for me, always looked out for my family, always looked out for whatever. And so when 
he mentioned this one of the you know, one of his, you know those passing conversations we talk every day. I talk mm-hmm. to him after my wife, it's Sean. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> we talk, you know, one of these passing conversations like, hey man, you know, you you've been without you, you know, it makes it he makes you feel important. He's like, without you, we wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do this. And so I, I want to make sure that, you know, we honor you by giving you percentage of the company. And, you know, those things, you know, one of those passing things were like, oh, he said it, but, you know, they're never going to happen. Right. And so we, I don't even know how the conversation came up, but we're randomly talking. Like, we have performance reviews. It's just, it's a it's a funny dynamic because, like, I, like obviously he still signs my checks. Right. So there's that dynamic, but we still have, like, a a good friendship that's now turning into like a, like a brotherhood, almost mm-hmm. like an older brother situation. Yep. To where like we can be honest with each other. I can tell him like, "Hey, Sean, I don't think we should do this," or, "Or hey, I think we should we should do this." And he can tell me, "Oh, well, I think it's a good idea," or "That's a terrible idea." And I can say anything I tell him. And and there's like a mutual respect. Yeah. There. There's there's no there's no hard feeling, and I like that kind of environment because it's not it's not a fake environment, right? It's 100 percent honest. You can't get to this level without being with someone who's on the same heads up. And like, we have an idea. People were like, "Oh, let's wait and do something later." All right, Sean, let's do it. And like even with the with the percentage thing, like our like legal team was kind of taking the time, dragging her feet to kind of get the paperwork in. And Sean was like, you know, triple triple text person, like, hey, let's, hey, let's we got to do this. Yeah, let's do this. I'm like, man, this is like, you can't ask for it. Like, I told my mom, my parents, they're crying. Like, you know, I'm the first, I'm the firstborn American in my family, and now I'm the first person who who owns part of a business. And so for me, that's like a thing that I can be able to pass on to my kids, or even like tell people and. And even tell former athletes like, "Hey, you know, keep that work ethic." One of the, one of the, to, to um, add to that is one of the biggest life lessons I learned is you never know who's watching. Exactly. And so that's why no matter if I hate my job or if I was miserable at whatever job I'm working or a team, I never want to show that. I always want to make sure that I you never know who's watching. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when the gym opportunity became, if I was a bad worker, Sean would probably wouldn't have thought of me. But I right. worked hard to to be where I was at. And, and then, he had kept he had noticed that about you when you were working for Memorial Herman, and he kept that in the back of his mind for, you know, maybe someday I could I could use this guy for something. You know, he's he's good at what he does. You know, he's dedicated. He works hard. You know, maybe someday I could put him put him to to work somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And then same thing with the gym. And so and he's and he's I consider myself someone who's a man of the word. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. I think less than five times in my life where that's actually happened where I didn't deliver, and. Sean is exactly the same way. If he says it, we're going to do it. He may forget. I forget. We both forget, but we'll get it done. And so for him, like once he, you know, gave me that opportunity to become part of like the, the, the whether I'm in this position or not, you know, I'm a part of right gym forever. Mm-hmm. And like, that's like, I mean, it's sometimes I don't, it doesn't even like make sense to me, but it's just, man, it's just. Well, and I think, uh, you know, uh, you've manifested this, you know, it, not just this, this, but just like everything in your life. I think between the support system that you've had with your family, between your faith, between just your your never quit attitude, um, you've really created these opportunities for yourself. And I think just from an outside perspective, by the way, for the record, I didn't know probably 90% of all of these things that Ricky's talked about today. Um, and so I, I learned an incredible amount about you. Um, and one thing I can say is you're a hell of a guy. And... <laughs> Um, you know, I'm very inspired by just your story and, um, the life that you've built for yourself because now, I mean, you and Chelsea are married, you have this percentage ownership in this business. Um, the gym is thriving and kicking ass. Um, 
And I think your personal development has really come a long way through this whole experience of your life, you know, and, and, and the lessons that it taught you and kind of the experience that you've gained and, and how you've been able to leverage that into where you are now in life. So, um, this is all brought on by you, man. You know, I mean, obviously opportunities come across, um, just in, in, in different ways in life, but I think, um, you know, you have a lot to be, um, proud of about yourself because you've kind of made this all happen. So good <laughs> I for appreciate you, man. it, man. I just, you know, when someone puts trust in me, whether it's a coach, it's a friend, you know, whatever, I just want to be sure that I, I raise it to their expectations. That's something that I've always learned as a kid. And so, I just try my best, man, but I appreciate that, man. But awesome, <clears throat> same thing man. with you, man. Like, I mean, we've we've talked over the years, and I know you've changed paths and careers. When I first started, when I first met you, you were in the restaurant business mm-hmm. and bartending. Now you're working remote, can live for wherever you want. Like, you're doing well, man. I'm proud of you, man. So it's just, it's the same energy I, I like to see for myself and my friends. So I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you to say. And I think just in general, I think life's all about, you know, progression, right? Life's all about learning and and figuring things out and and you know um if you're not if you're not growing you're dying you know that's that's kind of my motto is is always be growing always be trying to learn something new always be trying to level up um and i think you've done an amazing job of that in your life appreciate that man absolutely man so guys that's going to conclude it for the episode um i man i feel i feel really inspired right now (laughs) um you know, you guys, if you like the episode, if you like the show, um, please share it. I think this is a really good one. Um, I know I'm going to link these on all of my socials, and, and I think this is this is a really great episode for anybody who is going through some kind of hard time, um, is struggling with um, something, you know, a setback or something. Um, there's always hope. You know, there's always hope, and I think Ricky has proven that time and time again that, you know, you can, you can incur these setbacks, you can incur these, you know, different things in life that happen and and you know you might say why me why did this happen and you know just keep going just keep pushing forward and and you know things will work out you know you may not you may not know why you may not know how you may not know when but things will work out so if you guys like the show uh please share it um you know also if you guys are listening on apple podcasts uh go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review for the show i'd really appreciate that um do you have anything any final thoughts man Nah, man, I think what you're doing is great, man. I love the awareness you're bringing. I love the the platform you're providing. So, man, I just think you should keep running with it, man. I'm always proud of you, and I think that you're always going to do great things, man. So I just I appreciate you having me on, man. I appreciate it. And this has been this has been really good for me, too. Um, this has been uh, very eye-opening. I didn't know, you know, I knew a few of these things about you, but I didn't know a lot of this stuff. So I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you being open about it. And uh you know, hopefully somebody out there will be will take this and, and be inspired and, and try to go do the great things themselves. Absolutely, man. Have you heard of us? Rise Gym, Spring Cypress 249. Come and find us. We'll be here. That's right. Hey, and I will say, shameless plug for the gym, but uh, I've been a member since day one, and uh, these guys have been great over here. I mean, these guys have been... I, I remember the first day that I came in here, I was working with, with Matt. I think you guys remember I, I talked about being coached by Matt, and he brought me in here. He's like, man, I'm, I'm working at this new gym. Like, you got to check it out. And I walked in the door and it was just a big, big open <laughs> space with four pieces of equipment and one dumbbell rack. I was like, you, you trusted want- the vision. I was like, you want me to train here for what? Why? <laughs> um, but man, three years later, you guys have, you guys have really built something cool here. So Appreciate it's it, been, man. it's been cool to be part of it, but guys, that does it for uh, episode 18 of the Sith Bar podcast. I'll see y'all next time.